Welcome to the Message to Kings podcast, where we tell the complete history. This is Brett Heaston, Episode 8, Jacob. If you downloaded this podcast, you're in for a real treat. My good friend Jason Ross will be sharing this episode of Message to Kings on Jacob. Here's a short bio on Jason Ross. He's the principal of Providence Christian Academy in Rogers, Arkansas, happily married, father of three. He's also author of a book, So Shall You Reap, published by Regal Inc. Press. Also, he has a publishing company whose website is regalincpress.com. So if you like what you hear, send me an email or look up the website and there might be a book out there for you. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Jason Ross. The year is approximately 1836 B.C., around the time when the Great Sphinx of Egypt was constructed, the first immigration into Greece was taking place, and Wang Ti arose as the last emperor of the first Chinese dynasty. Contemporary to those events, the Middle East saw the advent of the father of the twelve tribes of Israel, or Jacob. In Genesis chapter 25, we are told that Rebekah, the wife of Isaac, the patriarch, had had difficulty becoming pregnant. So Isaac pleaded with the Lord on Rebekah's behalf, and God answered his prayer and she conceived. We learn from the account that she felt unsettled, uncomfortable in her womb. She thought something may be wrong with the pregnancy. So Rebekah consulted with God about why it was so tumultuous. We don't know how God replied to her, we're simply told his response. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will be separated from your body. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. When Rebekah gave birth to these twin boys, the firstborn was red and had hair all over his body. They named him Esau, meaning hairy. When the brother came out of the womb, he actually had taken hold of Esau's heel. This second baby was named Jacob, which means supplanter or deceiver. The name literally means one who takes the heel. So before they were even born, there was a struggle, a struggle to be first, and that struggle is indicative of their future relationship. For that matter, Esau's descendants would become the Edomites, who were later an enemy of the children of Israel, which was another name for Jacob and his people. The Bible differentiates between Esau and Jacob when they are grown by saying that Esau was a skillful hunter. He was a man who was a bit feral, who liked to stay in the fields and pursue wild game, while Jacob was a mild man who dwelt in tents. Today, Jacob might live in a rented house and Esau live in tents. Esau relied more on brute force and was possibly more athletic. But in fairness to Jacob as an athlete, Jacob did prevail in the most significant wrestling match in human history. Finally, Jacob was a prudent and diligent businessman. Esau was careless with great opportunity. Isaac loved Esau more, and Rebekah loved Jacob more. As a side commentary, parents who don't avoid favoritism pour fuel on the fire of strife between their children. We see near-fatal results when Jacob later picks a favorite among his own sons. Of course, that was Joseph. Now let's go back to the descriptions of Esau and Jacob. We see Esau as a man's man and Jacob as a mama's boy. And that's somewhat true. But there's much more to the character of these men and why they were loved. Isaac, we're told, loved Esau because he liked Esau's wild game. 
We'll cover the account in more detail in a few moments, but we later see Isaac asking Esau to prepare game for him in the way that he loved it. The way to Isaac's heart was definitely through his stomach. So Isaac and Esau bonded over the fact that Esau was a grill master, which is arguably a shallow reason for Isaac to love him. Esau was somewhat unstable and had the ability to produce knee-jerk reactions to situations. He didn't prioritize well or appreciate what he had been given. The description of Jacob as, quote, mild, at a closer look, refers more to him being stable and peaceable. Jacob was solid, smart, and shrewd. He was a planner, which in some ways was good, but in other ways meant that earlier in his lifetime, he tended to rely upon his shrewdness rather than trusting God completely. For much of his life, Jacob trusted in the arm of the flesh, leaning on his own understanding. Jacob's younger adult years are a lesson to us all about relying primarily upon human reasoning. In contrast, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 tell us how to live. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Now, Rebecca loved Jacob, but we're not told specifically why. She probably saw more of Jacob than Esau since Esau was so often in the fields. So that may have been a factor. The rest is conjecture. The time when Jacob swindled Esau out of his birthright reveals Jacob's shrewdness. The birthright belonged rightfully to the firstborn male, and Esau had been born first. Jacob saw an opportunity to get it from Esau one day. Esau had come in very fatigued from a hunt. He saw some red stew, lentil stew, that Jacob had made. And he said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I'm weary. Well, Jacob replied to Esau to sell him his birthright. Esau agreed. He said, Look, I'm about to die, so what is this birthright to me? The name Edom actually came to be applied to Esau's descendants in part from this occasion. The word Edom means red, as in the color. Esau was red when he was born, and he sold his birthright for red stew. Esau is called, quote, profane or godless in the book of Hebrews of the New Testament because he thought so little of his birthright. See, the birthright was headship in the family and a double portion of the inheritance from the father. It was a custom in the region of Haran that a man could sell his birthright to his brother, but it was often viewed as a shame to do so. Although Jacob was deceitful and self-serving, the stronger condemnation is on Esau because he despised his birthright, a place of service to the family. Malachi the prophet, speaking on behalf of the Lord, said, Yet Jacob have I loved, but Esau I have hated. The Lord himself preferred Jacob. He chose Jacob in his providence to continue the righteous lineage of Abraham and Isaac. As with Rebekah, we don't know why the Lord preferred Jacob over Esau, but it's reliable to think it had to do with the dispositions of their hearts. The Bible emphasizes the fact that humanity judges by the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So to think that God's preference to Jacob had something to do with Esau being an outdoorsman or being hairy or some other superficial condition is misguided. In Genesis 27, we see another significant example of Jacob's shrewdness and deceitfulness. We see how Jacob could manipulate situations to achieve his own aspirations. 
he would look for opportunities for personal advantage over others at this time in his life. When Isaac, their father, was very old and his eyesight was all but gone, Isaac called for Esau, and he essentially said that he was old and could die any day. He told Esau to take his quiver and bow and hunt for game for him. He said, And make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. So Esau left on a hunting trip. Rebekah, Esau's and Jacob's mother, had overheard what Isaac had said to Esau. So Rebekah told Jacob about the conversation, and she told Jacob, who is around 40 years old at the time, to go to their flock of goats and bring two choice kids to her so that she could prepare meat in the way Isaac loved it. Then she revealed the rest of her plan. Jacob could take the savory meat to his father so he could bless him before he dies. Jacob agreed to the plan, but he did have a concern. He said to Rebekah, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth-skinned man. Jacob thought that Isaac might touch him and realize that he was being deceived and may actually curse Jacob instead of blessing him. Rebekah took full responsibility for any curse, and the plan was implemented. She took some of the skin of the goats from which she had made the meal and put some of it on Jacob's hands and his neck to make Jacob feel more hairy. Rebekah also borrowed some of Esau's clothes so that Jacob could wear them and smell like his brother. When Jacob went to see Isaac, he asked for Isaac to bless him while pretending to be Esau. Isaac was skeptical because Jacob's voice didn't sound like Esau's. So Isaac requested for his son to come closer, and he felt his hands. Then Isaac ate the food that Rebekah had made and blessed him. Jacob had barely left Isaac when Esau came to see his father with the game he had killed and cooked. Esau asked Isaac to sit up and eat his game so that his soul could bless him. By the way, it's interesting to note the connection between the savory food and Isaac's soul being in position to give a blessing. Was food part of the ceremony of blessing? Was the food just going to satisfy him and put him in a state of mind to offer a blessing? Whatever the correlation, there is some kind of a link. So Esau came in looking for his blessing, but it had already been given to another, to his brother. He begged Isaac to bless him as well, and Isaac did bless Esau. But the greater blessing had been pronounced over Jacob. Isaac had already said that Jacob's relatives would serve him, so he couldn't say the same thing of Esau. So through the arm of the flesh, and striving for advantage over his brother, Jacob, with considerable help from Rebekah, had successfully obtained Esau's birthright and his blessing. And Esau was extremely angry about it. He swore he would kill Jacob. As a result of that threat, Rebekah encouraged Jacob to stay with her brother Laban until Esau's wrath subsided. Isaac blessed Jacob again and told him to take a wife from Laban's household in Padan Aram. On the way from Beersheba to Padan Aram, he had a God-inspired dream. We refer to it as Jacob's ladder. In the dream, God showed a ladder with its foundation on earth and its top in the heavens, and angels were ascending and descending on it. The Lord was at the top of the ladder and spoke to Jacob and confirmed his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's descendants. 
his promise to give them the land that he was lying on and to bless them. Jacob woke up and set up a reminder of that place. It's important to set up reminders, by the way, about the times God has spoken to us clearly. Then, in our account, Jacob met Rachel, one of Laban's daughters, at a well. And Rachel went and told her father Laban that she had met his nephew, and Laban brought Jacob into his house. The relationship devolved over time. Laban started to pay Jacob for working for him, and Laban started to take advantage of Jacob. Jacob may have been reaping what he had sown, because Laban managed to deceive Jacob when Laban realized that the Lord was blessing him because of Jacob. Jacob had offered to serve Laban seven years in exchange for marrying Laban's daughter Rachel. When the time came for Jacob to receive Rachel, Laban sent Leah, Rachel's older sister, into the tent instead. When the morning came, Jacob realized what had taken place and he questioned Laban about it. Laban said that it was a custom not to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older. He asked Jacob to serve him seven more years in order to receive Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel and agreed. It had been a costly investment of time. The deceiver had been deceived. And since the time of coming to this land and receiving the message from the Lord, he had started the process of relying more on God, but he would soon have an encounter with God that would forever change where Jacob put his confidence. And we'll discuss that encounter in part two. One message to kings is, don't underestimate a blessing. Neither God's blessing nor man's. A blessing is an invocation from the spirit and soul that once applied cannot be revoked or redirected. A person blessed by God or his representative, such as a father in this case, is blessed forever when the blessing is spoken in faith. Parents should purpose to impart a blessing to their children. Ministers should prayerfully consider who the Lord would have them bless with words of life, words of favor, words of destiny. The laying on of hands is listed in Hebrews 6 as one of six foundational doctrines. Really? Yes, because it's a method for imparting blessing. The Bible tells us that the lesser is blessed by the greater, that is, greater in spiritual authority. There can be a supernatural transfer that has the capacity to change the course of one's life. Of course, the ultimate blessing is the one that God has pronounced upon Christ and all those who are His. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. There's so much more in that one statement than our minds can even conceive. You are blessed to be a blessing. The other foremost message to kings in this podcast is summarized by Psalm 118.8, which happens to be the verse in the Bible that is exactly in the center by verse number. It says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. For much of his life, Jacob listened to the voice of human reasoning over the voice of God. He was deceitful, and he reaped from acting that way. Where we have done the same, we need to repent from that condition of the heart and put our trust solely upon God's grace, His mercy, and upon His blessing. We all want to be fruitful in life. Well, are we not richly blessed in Christ? 
we can stand upon God's promises, declaring them over our own lives and the lives of those with whom the Lord has given us authority. Don't trust in your works to make you righteous or to earn God's favor. Cultivate your relationship with the Lord through prayer and Bible study, uh, making sure that your reliance is fully on Him. The Bible says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due time. This concludes part one of the life of Jacob. Thank you for listening.